Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Starting a new series um, on the Holy Spirit, and we're going we're gonna to be looking at who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, and we can sometimes talk about the Holy Spirit quite a lot, can't we? But sometimes our, our theology can be a little bit fuzzy, and so I'm going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit today. I've taken some of this from uh, Tim Keller's insights on this subject, so you might need your seat belts to be strapped in. The, uh, the last few weeks' sermons have definitely been probably more heart-based, and this week is going to be a little bit more head-based. And I know for me, I love to get my head around certain situations and issues before my heart can follow. I was brought up in a Christian family, and I knew a lot about God as Jesus. I knew quite a bit about God as Father, but I didn't really know that much about God as the Holy Spirit. I've had times in my life when I've experienced the Holy Spirit, but not, maybe not as much as some people have. Uh, I don't always feel as though I experience God uh, or I experience or feel things quite as much as some people do sometimes. But I knew that I received the Holy Spirit as soon as I believed and trusted in Jesus. There's this verse in Ephesians where it says that we receive the Holy Spirit the instant we receive Jesus. It just says this, and because of what Christ did, all you others too who heard the good news about how to be saved and trusted Christ were marked as belonging to Christ by the Holy Spirit, who long ago had been promised to all of us Christians. And then just the next part. His presence within us is God's guarantee that he really will give us all that he promised. And the Spirit's seal upon us means that God has already purchased us and that he guarantees to bring us to himself. So that's great, isn't it? If we believe in Jesus and have welcomed into our lives, we have the Holy Spirit within us. But who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he actually and what does he do? So we're going to kind of look at those two things today. We're going to start off by reading John chapter 14. It's quite a big, chunky um, chunky uh, chapter of the Bible. John's Gospel, by the way, if you've never read the Bible before, start with John. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, And if you haven't got a Bible, I I think we should have some at the welcome desk at the end, at the back. If you haven't got a Bible, please take one. Um, If you have a Bible, whether it's on your phone or whether you want to follow it up here, we're just going to read John 14. So it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, I want to propose, is the personal divine resident of the Christian heart. The personal divine resident of the Christian heart. And first of all, he's personal. Have you noticed that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit not as an it, as sometimes we can tend to do? He's not as as this energy or a force, but as he, a person. Right away, he says, the world cannot accept him. Just, Just an aside to this, the grammatical gender of the word for spirit is both masculine and feminine in Hebrew, and it's neuter in Greek. But we don't have a gender pronoun in English that is neutral. And so I'm just going to refer to the Holy Spirit as he, just because it's translated like that in most current translations. So a person is a substance that can do personal and relational things. So speaking, thinking, feeling, acting. That's what makes somebody a person. So in Ephesians 4.30, it says the Holy Spirit is grieved. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 10.29, it says you can outrage the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, it says the Holy Spirit loves. So he loves, he's outraged, he's grieved. He can be lied to according to Acts 5. An impersonal force can't feel those feelings. So he's a person, but he's also God. In that passage we read, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. We'll get to that word advocate in a minute. But Jesus said, he's another advocate. He says, I'm an advocate. Here's another one. Jesus uses the Greek word alos, which means just like the former. So when Jesus uses that Greek word alos to describe another advocate, it tells you and me that Jesus was telling telling us, the Holy Spirit and I are identical in every way. So by having him... It will be as if you still have me. I talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago where we dipped our toes in the dizzying doctrine of the Trinity. And we talked then about Jesus being exactly the same as the Father and the Holy Spirit being exactly the same as Jesus. Jesus says earlier on in the chapter, I'm going away. And then he says, but the Holy Spirit is coming. And then he says, my Father and I will love you and we will come to you. So he says... You might need to, like, you've got, to, you've got to keep your attention here. So he says, I'm going away, the Holy Spirit is coming, and therefore I'm coming. And Jesus isn't saying, oh, I'm not really going away. I'm coming to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he's not, on the other hand, saying, oh, I'm going away, and therefore I'm not coming. He is coming. He's so one with the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, Jesus comes. And yet he's not so identical to the Holy Spirit that he isn't already away and therefore in heaven. Got that? (laughs) Easy. So Jesus isn't saying that there's three gods because they're too one to be three gods. On the other hand, it's not one person in three forms. It's not like he's saying he's got his father hat on 
and then he's got his sun hat on, and then he's got his Holy Spirit hat on. It's not three gods, they're two one for that. But it's not God in three forms, they're two three for that. It's one God in three persons. It's quite an incredible concept to get your head around, but once you understand it, you get to see the beauty of it. But we're not going to talk in any more detail about the Trinity because we're here to talk about the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to see why it's so important. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a divine person in the middle of your life. Why does that matter? So the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. It talks about being filled with divine joy and peace. And I want that in my life. I want that in your life. But how do you get filled with the Spirit? If you're, if you're filled with the Spirit and you're thinking of it as a force, then that's going to be very different as to how you go about seeking it. It's not like um, an, a kind of electrical charge where you, you, you kind of just start f- um, pressing the right buttons and hoping you hit the jackpot. You, like, you pray in certain ways, you do certain things, you repent, you refrain from doing certain things. You get all the kind of environmental conditions lined up and then cha-ching, and he comes. No, if the Spirit is a person, then to be filled with the Spirit is like being filled with a person. So how does that work? To be filled with the Spirit is to have your life transformed by an acute consciousness of the glorious person that lives permanently within the walls of your heart. An acute consciousness of the glorious person that lives permanently within the walls of your heart. I remember a few years ago, we were at the Science Museum with the kids. And uh, suddenly I was aware that there was this buzz in the room. And I didn't know quite what was going on. And it turned out that Jamie Oliver was there on the other side playing with his kids by the water feature. And there was a crowd of people, mainly mums, including me... (laughs) Um, just staring at him, playing with his children. Um, So I was there with a whole bunch of people, not talking to each other. We were just staring at Jamie Oliver. That would be weird, but yeah, he's great. Um, But his presence affected my behaviour. That's my point. Do you like the little segue there? Or, you know, imagine if the Queen walked in here. Queen walks in here this morning, or Barack Obama, or somebody that you, like, really admire... What would happen? How would our posture change? What would our attention be like suddenly? I know, I know for me, I can behave very differently depending on who I'm with or who's in the room. Anyone else like exactly the same regardless or are you a bit more like me where you, you can be a bit more naughty with certain people? Um, but the reality is that we have God living in us. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you've you've received from God? You're not your own. What a challenge. Do I live with the awareness of the Holy Spirit being the personal divine resident of my heart? If I always live with that, how would that change the way what I did last night, how much I drank, or what I said to that person, how much would it change if I actually realized that we have the the spirit of the living God, the divine resident in our life? And I'm not saying any of this to condemn us, but call us higher. 
This is like we have the living God living inside of us. Could you imagine if, how much would actually change if, if just us guys here actually believe that? So the Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian's heart. Secondly, what does the Holy Spirit do? And there are so many things that he does. Um, but I just want to concentrate on the passage that we read at the beginning. And there are two words or phrases to tell us what he does. First of all, he's the spirit of truth, verse 17. And secondly, he's an advocate. So we know this. We know that the Holy Spirit essentially authored the Bible. So, for example, in 2 Peter 1, it says, No prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then in John 6, 63, it says, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So, in other words, the words of Jesus that you see in the Bible were produced by the Spirit. And if you embrace them and receive them and understand them, they give you eternal life. And so to be filled with a person, to be dominated by a person, is to hang on that person's every word. It means to be dominated and saturated by the scripture. To let it dwell in you richly. It's not the same thing as knowing it as information. It's to take it in, to make it a part of yourself. Like another way to put it is here is this. Um, Joey and Matt here, they've both got glasses on. I'm sure you didn't um, spend hundreds of pounds on your glasses. Are they new ones, Joey? They're nice. Very nice. But I'm sure you didn't spend hundreds of pounds on those glasses just to put them on the table and go, Matt, look at my glasses. I'm sure that's what you didn't do. You didn't do that, spend hundreds of pounds on a new pair of glasses just to have them sitting on the table. It doesn't, it doesn't work like the way, that way. You put them on and you see everything else through it. It's one thing to look at the scripture and say, I'm just going to look at the facts. It's another thing to let it dwell in you richly. It's another thing to be saturated by it. It's another thing to, to let it affect everything that you look at. Because he's the spirit of truth. Jonathan Edwards, he was an American revivalist preacher and a theologian. He had a little quiet time notebook, a a little journal, and he wrote this. I have at at many times had the greatest delight in the Holy Scriptures of any book whatsoever. Oftentimes in reading it, every word seems to touch my heart. I seem often to see so much light exhibited by every sentence and have such refreshing, ravishing food communicated from these words that I cannot get along in my reading. I've often used to dwell long on one sentence to see the wonders contained in it. The sense I had of divine things as I read the scripture would often of a sudden, as it were, kindle up a sweet burning in my heart, an ardor of my soul that I know not how to express. Isn't that beautiful? What an amazing quote. He's talking about when he looks at the scripture, it comes alive by the Holy Spirit. And burns within him. It's one thing to read the scripture. It's another thing to have the Holy Spirit come and reveal Jesus in it. It's one thing to know with your head that sugar is sweet. It's another thing to taste it and like have that buzz. Have your whole being affected by it. So you not only know it, but you sense it. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He's the author not only of 
objective truths because he wrote the Bible, but of subjective truths. He makes it live in your life. He makes it live. He makes it vivid and powerful. He makes it life-changing. So that's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. But believe it or not, that's not all he, he, he does because if he actually just did that, he'd be a bit more like a consultant, wouldn't he, that comes in, gives you certain things at certain times. But he's also an advocate. So it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. If you read different versions of the Bible, um, there are different words for this, for this word. And, and oftentimes when there's a lot of different words in a lot of different translations, it often, often means that the translators have found it really difficult to translate the word accurately because the English doesn't have a rich enough a word to express it. So some people, uh, some, some translations talk about the Holy Spirit being a comforter, which sounds a bit more like a quilt, doesn't it? Or a, um, a counsellor or a psychiatrist. You know, is that, you know, kind of what, what is that? Is this a marriage counsellor? But basically the word advocate, the one that we're using, is parakaleo. Turn to your neighbour and say parakaleo. And it's actually a very difficult word to translate to English. So para, it means not to be in front of or behind, but to stand alongside. That's what the first bit means, to stand alongside. And kaleo means to declare, to call, to argue, actually. And therefore, the best way to translate this is that Jesus says, I'm going to send you another legal advocate. And this word, it gets across the idea that on the one hand, this person is yours. This person stands in your position, represents you. This person is loyal to you to the end. This is a person who is for you in the strongest sense. But on the other hand, it also means this is a person who argues. This is a person who debates. This is a person who makes a case, who defends you against your enemies, so there's a soft side, there's a sympathy with you, but there's a hard side when he's arguing for you. So why would Jesus say that the Holy Spirit is a legal advocate? What does this mean? The, the Holy Spirit's job is to defend you against the enemies here on earth, particularly the enemies inside your own heart. For example, Romans 8.15, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of his son who comes into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Which means that if your heart is filled with fears, then the Holy Spirit comes in and argues and say, no, you're his child. He argues your case. One verse later, Romans eight sixteen, it says, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that word bears witness is a technical Greek word that means the star witness in court. It's a person bringing testimony, legal testimony in court that basically settles the case. So what this is saying is here your heart's filled with doubts, but in comes the Holy Spirit and says, no, there's no reason to doubt because you're his, you're loved, you're saved. In 1 John 3.20, it says, when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. When our hearts condemn us, the Holy Spirit is greater than our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit's job to argue. 
See, I don't think our hearts like the idea of grace. We don't really like the gospel, the idea that we're saved by grace. We, we want to earn it. We want to merit it. It actually just puts us in control. And, but because our hearts have got that part there, we're constantly being buffeted by fears, by doubts. When bad things happen, we go, oh, no, he's abandoned us. I'm not good enough. He can't possibly love me. But then the Holy Spirit comes in and argues. He makes the case. He takes the gospel and pounds you until you start to relax. But it's not just that the Holy Spirit defends us against accusation. He also defends us against temptation. In James 4, it says this, this, there's this strange verse where James first says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? And then it says, Do you not realize that the Spirit of God within you envies you? And it's saying, don't you realize when you start to let the world take you away from God, the Holy Spirit within you longs for, his, for your love. He's jealous of you. He's jealous of your love. And the Holy Spirit sees us giving our heart to money or giving our heart to power or to our job or to sex or whatever it is. He sees us tempting, tempting us away from God, knowing this is going to destroy us. And the Holy Spirit acts as a loving friend, acts towards someone that, you know, when you, you know when you see one of your friends doing something you know is bad for them? Whether it's addiction or just doing some, something stupid. You, you want to get them into a corner and you, you just want to go, stop, stop it. You're killing yourself. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to confront you. I'm going to oppose you because I love you. I'm not going to let you do it. And, and sometimes you can come to blows over it. You can get angry at them, can't you? Because you, you know what is right for them. And this is what we've got when we've got the Holy Spirit in our lives. I, I've had that when I've had people confront me about stuff that I, that I know that I'm doing wrong or that I don't realize that I'm doing wrong. But I, I, people come to me, people have come to me and just like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it didn't go well. We actually fell out at the time, I remember even though I knew that they were right. And I've done that with others as well. I've gone to them and going, what are you doing? Like, you're crazy. Like, this, this has got to stop. This is not going to go well for you. And sometimes that person listens to you, and other times they don't. And that's really painful, because you know that it's not going to end well. And this is a friend. This is a legal advocate. This is someone who will not let you destroy yourself. He is a glorious person. And Paul says in Philippians 1, the good work I began in you, he will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He is a glorious person, this Holy Spirit, and he will not stop until you become the glorious person that you're meant to be. He's going to oppose anything in your heart that will destroy you, and he's not going to let you go. But like we were singing earlier, he pursues you to the end. He keeps pursuing you. He goes after you because he wants you to be whole. It's like he's a friend with teeth in it. He's a friend who's utterly, utterly for you, which means that sometimes he's against you for you. 
And therefore, yes, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to give you scripture and then the job of the Holy Spirit to make that scripture real and vibrant and powerful in your life. But he's not simply doing it just to give you nice spiritual experiences. He's come into your life and he's utterly committed to bringing the good work that he started to completion. And he's not going to let you go. He's not like a counsellor or a psychiatrist or a marriage counsellor that you might go and see once a week. He is a permanent legal advocate. He's a permanent friend that's with you all the time. And he's willing to do interventions on you all the time. So he's for you, para, alongside. But sometimes he can be against you for you. And that's the wonder of having the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is our advocate here on earth. Jesus is our advocate in heaven. And what the Holy Spirit is, he's doing, he's taking the advocacy in heaven and applying it here on earth against the enemies in your own heart. He's pounding into you. He's dealing with your temptations. He's dealing with your pride. He's dealing with your accusations. And he's saying, look at what Jesus has done. Look at, look at his advocacy for you. Do you not see that there's no danger? There's no failure. There's no accusation. There's nothing that can overturn you, that can cast you down. The Holy Spirit's job is to be an advocate on earth, pointing to our advocate in heaven. I feel like I've just crash landed the plane, but I'm just, we're just going to pray. There's, there's a lot in here, isn't there, that we just need to get our heads around sometimes before our hearts can follow. So let's just pray. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit living inside us as soon as we believe in Jesus. Thank you that you're not an impersonal force, but you're a person who wants a relationship with us. Thank you that you bring the words of the Bible to life. Thank you that you're always with us, fighting for us, fighting for our hearts. Just while people have got their eyes closed, I wonder if, You'll stand up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up for all sorts of reasons, so don't feel like people will know which one you're standing up for. But I wonder if you, you want to stand up if you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time, or maybe as a recommitment to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come into my life afresh. Come and make your home with me. Maybe stand up if you feel as if you need an advocate right now. Someone that's going to fight those lies of inadequacy or failure in your mind. I, I feel like there's people here who loathe themselves. I feel like it's that strong. Maybe even this week you've looked in the mirror and you've just gone, you're just such an idiot. I, I just want you to stand up if those are any of you where you just need the Holy Spirit to come in and affirm who you are to be arguing your case and just going, 
You are righteous. You are a child of God. Or maybe stand up if you know that the Holy Spirit is against you for you. Maybe if you, you know that there are things in your, in your life that you know aren't good for you. And he's just saying, I love you too much to carry, let you carry on like that. Just stand up if you if you just want to respond to Jesus and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need more of you in my life. feels as though God is chasing down the prodigals. You might think you've run away, but he's always been chasing you. You can't go far. So we just say, come Holy Spirit. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Increase your presence. Holy Spirit is so jealous for your love. We're just going to have some time worshipping. If you're around some of these guys that are standing up, why don't you just um, pray for them? You don't need to know what's going on. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to come, to increase his presence on them. It might be that you want to come down and kneel before the cross. It might be that you want to tell somebody next to you what is going on and ask them to pray into it a bit more, but just... Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you increase your presence as we meet with you this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.